Hi everybody, it's Jamie Grogan with Solutions for Solopreneurs. We are continuing our series, Journey to Entrepreneurship. Today we are talking to, do I say Dr. Alice or Alice? Sure, you can, you can Dr. <laughs> Alice works. I like it. <laughs> um, today we're talking to Dr. Alice and she is going to share her story parts of her story because we're only here for 45 minutes um <laughs> but she's going to share parts of her story with us and um we're going to get to know her so if you are new to this podcast it's really all about you the audience seeing yourself in one or many of my guests and being able to say to yourself okay i can start a business i can launch a, a side hustle i can get that passion project off the ground. I can do it because Alice did it, or because Sue did it, or because Nick did it. Um, and that's the focus of this podcast. So Dr. Alice, why don't you give us uh, your intro and tell us what you do? Sure. Um, so thanks so much for having me. I, I love this topic and I love talking about entrepreneurship and, and business and solopreneurship. Um, it's something I think about probably 80% of my time. Um, so uh, my name is Dr. Alice Kirby. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I'm also a health consultant and I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner in training. And uh, a lot of people haven't heard of somatic experiencing. So I'll just brief briefly say that it's a form of trauma healing and a form of nervous system regulation, nervous system resiliency. And it's a three-year um, three training program. The work was developed by Dr. Peter Levine. So it's incredible work. It's like a body-based therapy or what's called a bottom-up therapy. So instead of working with the cognitive brain to address issues around trauma, around stress, anxiety, or overwhelm, which are the areas that I tend to focus on, uh, we work from the, the body up. So we work from the inside out. Um, <clears throat> and it's, this work's had a profound effect on my life, which is why I began the training and I'm in my intermediate, intermediate year of training with that right now. So that's kind of an adjunct to my traditional Western medical education. And, and then prior to that, I also had trained in Chinese medicine and different forms of alternative healing, <clears throat> excuse me, just to give a little bit about my background. Um, and if people do want to find me or contact me, you can do so via Facebook, um, Alice Kirby is my Facebook name and my last name is spelled K-E-R-B-Y. A lot of people spell Kirby K-I-R-B-Y, so I like to make the distinction, it's an E. Um, so and you're not an heir to the vacuum cleaner. Uh, no, you, you know what, if I was, I don't know if I'd be building this business. <laughs> so I'd just be sitting around in a room surrounded by vacuums. Hopefully it'd be a really clean room. <laughs> like a really nice floor. <laughs> Um, no, I'm not. K-E-R-B-Y. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook and my website is also KirbyMethodConsulting.com. So you can reach Perfect. me there as well. Perfect. All right. So tell me how to spell somatic. Uh, S-O-M-A-T-I-C. And so the word somatic just means of the body. And there's a lot of different somatic style practitioners out there because it's a pretty generalized word and there's different training programs. And I like to specify that the one I'm doing is through the Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute or SETI. And it is a very like rigorous, dedicated three-year program. So it's a lot of education. And at the end, you really become, if I don't want to say a nervous system expert, but you have a lot of information on how the nervous system works and how we can address it and how we can use it to work with these things like stress and anxiety and uh, trauma and different 
incidents that occur in our lives that can lead us to repeating patterns or repeating habits or habits habits or closing off of our closing off our life flow to try to keep ourselves safe right. which i think is what a lot of people find happening and so this work really allows you to do some internal healing and address any of those any of those patterns that might be stored within your physiology or your nervous system and it helps to work with the nervous system very gently and uh, very body based and i mean for me it's really helped me become very present in my body so i walk around pretty much just in my body, um, which is a, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> like, yes. um, so, so that's part, that's a, a big part of the work that I do with, uh, with my solopreneur business and with my online business where I work with women is around using a lot of these techniques as well as pulling from my, my very varied background and my Western medical education. Um, and I help, I help sober women primarily around areas of trauma, anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. And really, because I work with the addiction, I like to talk a lot about how, I, I think a lot of issues with addiction and, and why, or, or just behaviors we don't like, where we're constantly reaching outside of ourselves for, you know, to feel better. Love, self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it's like, we're trying to dress a certain way because we don't feel good internally because we were never taught. And, when, and then when you compound that with issues of trauma or with chronic stress, which I think like 85 to 90% of people in the Western world have, because we're just go, 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 we got to do this. And we got to hustle. Even the entrepreneur world, it's, there's a lot of that. Like you got to keep hustling. And yes. it's, it's really important, I think, to notice like, okay, how is this affecting my body? And like, how am I regulated at all? Or am I just completely on this high drive stress level? Or my, create, or my creativity is like shot to hell because I'm constantly stressed out. So I work around the nervous system in, in this realm. And, um, and particularly I focus on sober women just because I'm sober and I know how much the work helped me when I was in early recovery. And when I uh, quit drinking and started making these pretty major life changes, um, this work was instrumental. So it's, it's interesting and it's fun and it's really beautiful to help other women along the same track and then just get other people in their bodies. It's, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> this is gonna oh, no it's not because I feel like you'll completely understand this I don't believe in coincidences I don't believe in um, things that happen by accident I just don't believe that I believe that when you open yourself up um, and you show up authentically that the universe puts people in your in your path and Six years ago, <laughs> so weird. Six years ago, I was sitting at my desk. Um, I worked at um, Southern New Hampshire University. And I was sitting at my desk, and um, a very upsetting situation had just happened. Um, and I was sitting at my desk, literally trying to make sure that I did not flip out. Mm -hmm. Like, literally arguing with myself saying okay first of all you don't have bail money so you can't slap her so second of all that's going to end your career here no matter what even though you know what's happening is really wrong so i went online and i just started looking for like something to help me right youtube video to you know just calm me down. And at the time, I didn't know Brene Brown. I didn't know um, Eckhart Tolle. I didn't know any of those people. And so I was literally like 
I can't remember the wording that I used to Google, but Dr. Nadine Burke Harris showed up in my search. And it was all about her study on ACEs and trauma as a child. Hmm. And the way that she talked about your cortisone levels when you're a child staying high because of traumatic situations, it just brought, every, it, it was like a lightning bolt. Like I was like, okay, so single parent family, alcoholic mother. <laughs> it's a lot for a kid to take in. And you, you're resilient, but it doesn't mean that those things don't affect you. Like you can be resilient and still be navigating the world on some level from this place of this child who was, man, you know, trying to manage an alcoholic parent. And, and that's, a, that's so much for a small child. That's a lot for an adult, but like a child. Right. And I was a latchkey kid. So at, uh, at, I was in the kindergarten, I was five. And I would walk to get my little brother who was less than a year old and get him from the neighbor. And then I would walk back to our house with a shoestring key around my neck. <laughs> and I would let myself in the house. I would change my brother's diaper and we would literally sit there. We were not allowed to move from the couch. I was allowed to turn the TV on, put my little brother next to me, give him his bottle, and I was to watch TV until my older brother, who was in the third grade, oh my gosh, came home. <laughs> And, um, and then I was, you know, then, and then it, I turned into, I had to clean because my brother, my oldest brother was home now and he could watch the baby and I had to get dinner ready. My mother worked three jobs. Yeah. So when I found her and I was sitting at my desk and I'm just bawling because I'm like, okay, so now I know the why. How do I fix this? Right. How do I become a better version of myself so that I don't continue these chains, these horrible, you know, <laughs> patterns of behavior, like you said. So when you talk about the nervous system, I want people to understand how important, and I'm not saying it's an excuse because people are like, well, that was, you know, your childhood and, you know, at some point you got to get over it and, you know, you got to be an adult and, you know, and all of that. And I agree with that. But at the same time, people need to understand that if you don't know why and you don't recognize why, how do you fix it? I think there needs to be, and I really love, I want to speak to what you just said too, of like, there's that thing of like, yeah, that happened a long time ago, but I really love the question that you asked in those moments where you're realizing like, oh, I've got some stuff. I got some stuff here. And you asked like, how can I, how can I make myself a better person? Like if more people asked that question, I think then we're taking the whole like victim mentality that you spoke to just out of the picture. Like you can recognize that you've had trauma or you've had things affect you and be proactive in your healing and you can still be sad about it like of course but that doesn't I think when you start asking those really good questions of you know what can I do to change this like what support do I have that can assist me in, in moving forward in my life and really creating a life that feels more aligned with with who I think I am in the world and not like aligned from my past or my my history and and I think you're right and I don't think we need to know all the mechanisms of the of the why but I think if we see that we're repeating behaviors or patterns um, or things continue to come up and it's like a, 
just sort of a repeat, maybe it's in different scenarios or something, but if we see this happening in our life and, and we're kind of aware that this isn't really how we want to be in the world or it doesn't really feel like us, then it, it is good to say, okay, well, what can I do to change this? Or where can I get some help around this or some support around this? And and start doing some of the, you know, I hate to say like, do the work. Um, right. I, but it's, it's work. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, 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 gosh, I, I don't have a great other word for it. I'm looking for one. Um, <laughs> it's like an exploration. I do like right. that. Like learning right. to explore all these aspects of ourselves and, you know, and come forth hopefully with, with more of a, a resurgence of our, of our like true identity, you know, of these beings in the world. Right. Because there, we've, we've created so many layers um, of ourselves to fit in, you know, we, we, in grade school and in high school and then, you know, college and then work environments, you've created all of these layers. Um, and that's what I realized is that I'm not really, I'm not a real person 90% of the time. Mm. I'm, I'm a chameleon. I'm, I, I do things to fit in um, and shrink, you know, to fit in. So you're, you're 100% correct when you say asking those questions is so, so, so important. So important. Instead of just saying, oh, well, that's the way I am. Exactly. It opens the door. And I think anytime we have a willingness, it's then, then that we're golden. I think if we just can have willingness and like crack that door open a little bit, and we can be on our way, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think of all of the hundreds of people that saw my post about podcast guests, you know, and every single person that I've talked to from those posts and, you know, me being open and putting myself out there um, has been amazing and been completely on point for my guests. So, uh, you know, you got to be open to it. You got to be curious. Yes. Yeah. Curiosity is another big one. Yeah. So, so tell me, I, I know you mentioned um, your alcoholism and, and sobriety. Tell me a little bit about that journey and how you got to, um, to sobriety. Sure. Um, for me, I think it was always a kind of a thing. Like I always just really, I, I was a shy kid. Um, and so I started, you know, kind of drinking some here and there in high school. And I, I would notice like, oh my gosh, I feel so much more confident. I can have communication with people, made me more like lively and fun. Um, and so that was fine. Like through my twenties, I did a lot of traveling. I lived in a lot of um, like remote sort of nature-y places. I lived at the Ojai Foundation, which was like the spiritual retreat center on the top of a hill in Southern California. And I went to a massage school when I was 20 and that was way up in the hills in Northern California. So there wasn't a lot of alcohol around those places. Here and there, we would go get a beer or something like that, but it wasn't like a big prevalent thing. Um, and then I went back to school when I was 30 to pursue my doctorate. And, uh, and I just noticed like it was more and more. I was in one, I was in a relationship for a few years with a man that um, I think is it wasn't a good relationship. I'll say that. Um, I think he definitely has some chemical imbalance in his brain. And I was just in a place where I <clears throat> stayed in that relationship. And I, I noticed like looking back, I was starting to use alcohol more and more just to sort of deal with being in the relationship with him. Um, and so that, you know, that's not great. It was like a more of a dependency was forming. And then through school, I had a ton of anxiety, especially with the doctorate program and 
Um, I just had a lot of anxiety. I couldn't sleep. And so I was using alcohol to self-medicate. And it just kind of to build and snowball, which is the case, I think, for a lot of alcoholics or just a lot of even gray area drinkers or people who want to take alcohol out of their life as they notice that it's beginning to have more of a play or more of a role in their lives than you really like. Uh, and for me, that was absolutely the case, like really times, you know, a hundred or a thousand. It was a lot. It was kind of, it was, it had become all consuming. So eventually stuff got bad enough and bad enough of my partner and he left and that kind of like really blew the doors off for me. I'd lost other friendships and I just didn't feel like talking about feeling like myself. Like I really had no sense of who I was at that point. I just like lived to drink and I felt really empty inside and really scared and had a ton of anxiety and I felt really raw all the time. And it was just like scrambling to keep pieces together. So, uh, you know, when that happened and he left, I, I took a few days and luckily I have one of my best friends has been, he's been sober for over 10 years I think at that point he was right around 10 years and he was great. He was like, Hey, just go. Um, why don't you try like a recovery meeting and just go check it out. And he said something to me, which I really like. And I say this to a lot of the women I work with or women who are curious or they're struggling and they, they don't, this idea of not drinking is very scary, you know, right. in the beginning. And, and he said to me, like, why don't you just try it for six months? He's like, you can always go back to drinking. Why don't you just give not drinking a try and try some of these meetings. They're helpful for me. And I could like work with that like six months. I was like, okay, it's like an experiment. Right. Um, and so I went, I did some 12 step recovery for quite a while. That was really instrumental when I first quit drinking. That was great. I went to this meeting, like the first, my first ever, it was this big um, LGBTQ conference for alcoholics. And I don't know, he, a friend of his was speaking there. So I was like, okay. So I just went there by myself and like sat in the back and it was this big, huge conference, but it was awesome. Like hearing this guy talk, he, he, like, I really recognized a lot of myself and the story he was sharing. So it gave me hope. Um, and I had willingness at that point because I was pretty desperate. So thus began my journey. And along with doing the 12-step work, I found my therapist. Again, really, like, very coincidentally, but not really. Um, I'd been looking for a therapist because I knew I needed some help uh, to change my life. And then somebody else had referred her to me. She was like, check this lady out. And it turns out now she lives right in my neighborhood so I can walk to her. Um, but she does this somatic experiencing work. And so that was my introduction to it. And I noticed like, as I was starting to feel better and this haze of alcohol was coming off and you know, you deal with all your emotions coming back and shame and you know, a lot of things come up when you take that substance away and, and doing the somatic experiencing work with her, I started noticing that I was just able to access this, this place inside of myself that felt so good. It just felt like, like I could be myself and I could really be in my body and I was safe and it was okay. And I didn't have to self-medicate, um, which kind of, you know, put me on the trajectory where I am. I worked with her for about a year and she was like, why don't you go take this training? You really like this work. Your body really takes to it. And I was like, yeah, so I did. And I'm <laughs> midway, more than halfway through it. So I'll be a full-fledged practitioner in about a year, which is exciting. Um, but, you know, as, as we go through the program, we're certainly, you know, encouraged to incorporate this work into our lives and into the work we do with people. So, yeah, that's kind of my sobriety journey in a nutshell. Definitely was a, was a, a, life-changing, a life-changing thing for me to make that switch. Really a good one. That's awesome. So what was your childhood like? What were, you know, like your, um, your family relationships? What, what was that like? Oh, that's so interesting. Um, you know, I was like white upper middle class, I guess. Like, you know, my dad's an attorney. Um, 
I have, I was the youngest of five kids. And then my brothers and sisters were all, they're all like technically half siblings because my mom had been married previously. Right. But they, uh, you know, but we were all raised together. So I don't really ever think of them that way. But I was like five years younger than the one closest in age to me. So I think I always did have a sense of like separation and being different than. Um, and like I said, I was just a shy kid. You know, I really liked to go play like in the woods with the neighborhood kids. That's pretty much what I did all summer. I was just go be out and in nature and get real sweaty and ride my bike around and build forts and things like that. Right. Which is really to this day what I do for recreation is <laughs> go out and play in the woods and get sweaty. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing, you know, I don't think I had any sort of big major traumas. I'm sure little things as they accumulate because to a child's mind, you know, you get yelled at by a teacher or things like that and those can really stick in. But, um, you know, I don't feel like I had anything in my life that set me up really to be an alcoholic. Yeah. I think there's some, um, in my grandparents, I think there was some alcoholism and my parents would drink, but very socially and very, it was never an issue. It still isn't with either of them. Yeah. Um, so. And how, how are they, how were they during your, um, struggle with alcoholism? Did they, you know, notice, did they, have an idea that you were struggling? Yeah, I think it was really, really hard on my mom because she was just watching this, these like declines. And I went to a party at my sister's house one night and I was drinking a lot and just a lot sort of broke down that night where they really, my mom and my sister really got a look into what some of my behavior was like. Right. Um, and they were kind of like, huh, like this doesn't seem good. Right. And then my mom was just watching like a lot of my friendships deteriorate and and seeing me struggle in these various ways. And actually right before I stopped sober, when I was in the midst of this breakup, she said, she was like, you gotta, she was really encouraging, but she was kind of like, hey, you gotta do something. Like this is destroying your life. And I think hearing that from my mom, who's not like a pushy person at all. I mean, she's very kind of opinionated, but she's not, she's very, you know, she loves her kids. She's not ever gonna be like, you need to do this to be a good person. But she was like, hey, this this is really like not good. Right. Um, yeah, so she's been great. Both my parents have been like really supportive and nice about everything. Um, that's awesome. That's yeah. really that's really awesome because I know a lot of people don't have that. Um, 100%. But, but what I love, and this is so so much why I do this these interviews with people from all you know, no matter where your life is, you can see yourself. You know, like I could never um, relate or you know, tell someone, yeah, so I was, um, an upper middle class, you know, white. <laughs> yeah, I know it's completely different. played in the woods. <laughs> you, I know. Know. <laughs> I know. you know, I'm from Southern California, you know, me, me playing in the woods consisted of me cutting through my neighbor's yard to get to school. You know, yeah. that was, that was my extent. So I, I love the fact that, um, you know, these interviews bring out, so many different types of people because like I said in the beginning it's all about people seeing themselves in my guests and you sharing your journey you know you're saying you know I had a a, a pretty great you know childhood my parents are supportive um that's you know I don't know 50 percent 60 percent you know of the people that are listening you know and your story doesn't have to have some huge traumatic um, experience for it to have value because it's your story. Yeah, I agree, and I think there's I think there's something to to noting like 
you know, when there is that privilege in place, like I certainly feel like that's a societal gift, you know, that that happened and not everyone has that. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that and to, it's so easy to have shame around it, you know, and to be like, oh God, like, who am I to share my story? Because I, I didn't grow up as a latchkey kid, like trying to, I mean, that just melts my heart trying to give this, these little, you little five-year-old you with your little baby brother, like, God, you know, that's, I just want to gather you both up and like hug you and, <laughs> and like let you go outside and play. Um, but I think it's it's really easy to have shame around like who we are, um, right? Or to or to wonder like who am I to share my story because it's not you know it's not this horrible thing or or like even who am I to have this issue with alcohol like what the hell's wrong with me? And again, I think that's when we get into those those thinking and those types of questions that are just not productive. Like, right. you know, this is this is what it is, and you know, how can I best like be in the world with with what I what I do have, whatever that is, and. Uh, yeah, I just think it's good to like look at it from all angles and to really notice like if shame does come up, like just maybe just be aware of that and sit with it and ask like, is this really serving me? And, you know, how can I move around this or how can I recognize it without like having to be a, become a hindrance to my light and to my life force and to how I'm showing up in the world? Right, right. Uh, and I, the com- comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good saying, isn't it? It's so true. I love that saying because, you know, when Brene Brown talks about, you know, her anxiety and how she, you know, didn't, you know, want to share her anxiety and fear and um, fear of showing up because, you know, she's got this big house and, you know, she's, she's, you know, got plenty of money and, you know, and she's like, I didn't want to say to my friends and, you know, for my friends to be like, what the hell do you have to be anxious about? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and she said, and so I'm comparing myself to, you know, people that have, don't have it, have the life that I have. Um, and, you know, people who are CEOs and CFOs and, you know, get up every morning and, and hate their life. Yeah. Hate their job and they're so miserable. But, I make, you know, $200,000 a year. I drive a Mercedes. I, you know what I mean? They're like, have this shame around, you know, the, the, the perks of who they are, you know, their life. Um, so I want this experience. I want someone to be able to say, oh my goodness, her and I grew up the same, you know, and she had struggled with alcoholism and she's, you know, been sober and I, it's just perfect for me to have you on. So I just want to say thank you for sharing time and space. Definitely. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate all your, the insightful nature of your questions and your willingness and openness to just share. And I think it's such a great thing about podcasting and doing these interviews is you get to come in contact with so many amazing people and, and hear stories. And I feel like it, it just, it creates like a sense of levity for me just to be in, in human connection like this. Yes. So thank you for, for having me and for all the care and attention that you bring to, to what you're doing. You're very welcome. So as far as your journey goes to being an entrepreneur, what do you see yourself doing, you know, in the next two to five years? Oh boy. I sure have some visions. <laughs> Yay. I love visions. Let's hear them. So we yeah, can yeah. I've been I've been trying to work with like future, um, 
not really journaling because I'm really lazy about journaling, but I'll take time and try to really picture like my life and engage my senses and on things that I'm, that I'm creating. And really, I'd love to move in this apartment across the street. <laughs> it's my big one. I went and it's for rent and I went and looked at it a few weeks ago and it's, it's like twice the size of where we live now. And I could have my own, I could create a little of my own office and it's right on the ocean and it's got this big covered porch and um, it's got these like the sweeping view of the ocean and it's quiet. Like where we live now, it's great. We're really close to the ocean. I mean, it's so lucky. Like, again, I don't want to complain about it because we live in a beautiful place and it's really loud and it's like an old place and the, the, the planes are flying over and we got people in the alleys and the trash trucks and the motorcycles. And I'm like, God, I just, I want quiet. So I really envision myself in a place where I can come in and like close the door and go on my porch, whether it's this apartment or something else. And like, just have that space to like, let my system settle and not be under a barrage of noise. I've noticed as I've gotten older, I'm really sensitive to like noise and, and uh, I just want quiet. Like it helps settle my system. It feels really nice for me to come into a place and, and just like have some peace. Um, so that on kind of a physical sense is, is something I'd like to create. And I'd like to be able to go really full time with what I'm doing and what I'm building online and, and working with sober women and just creating more of a pathway or more of an avenue for women that are doing other types of recovery in whatever way they like. Like I'm not at, like advocating that, Hey, I'm your new recovery program. Cause I think multifaceted approach is best. And there are certainly so many different areas of recovery programs that are happening, which is great. Um, but to offer this approach of like, let me help you get back into your body and to start just seeing, and I've seen this in the women I work with now, it's like, there's just this, this light that happens and not to say people don't have their light otherwise, but being able to practice these tools and integrate them and go through the world with this sense of like, oh, I have, like, I'm able to make a choice from who I actually am. And I know what my yes feels like. And I know how to communicate with my partner in a way that feels good for both of us. And I feel heard and I'm watching this happen. And I'm thinking of one client in particular right now, but all of this has happened for her. And we, uh, we took a pause on working together right when COVID started and she has reached out to me a few times and she's like, I'm so glad I did this three month program with you before we started because I've been able to handle this situation with so much more ease and I'm able to be in my body and I'm able to tap into my senses. So uh, really just to continue to build this business out where that's where I, what I'm doing full time, where I can work from home. Um, and then I'd like to do, I think more towards the end of that, start doing more like broader scale gatherings um, and even some kind of like, I don't know, I don't really want to say retreat because I feel like that's overused, but I like the idea of gathering people in a beautiful place yes. and having some in-person connection yes. and, and doing, I teach Qigong and doing like some movement. I do a lot with movement. Um, that's amazing. Count me in. Yeah, come play the woods. <laughs> I was gonna say, put me on the list because I would love that. And it's funny, I'm 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 uh, organizing a virtual telesummit um, for healers, and um, you know all of the 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 goal, the overall goal is to give people practical ways yes. to deal with yes. the situation right now. You know, I talk a lot on my podcast about when I was in um, therapy this last time, because I've been in therapy three times, um, three different, you know, times in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that with a lot of pride because in my culture, therapy is a no-no. Yeah. Therapy is a no-no. Um, so this last time um, I was taught grounding techniques and that 
changed my life awesome. <laughs> to know, you know, to, to have a, a technique that I can do absolutely anywhere. You know, when I'm struggling with my anxiety and depression and I, I feel that spiral coming on and I can literally do that grounding technique. Um, and I actually just taught it to my nephew um, who, who's struggling with some anxiety. Um, so having those real world techniques um, is, is crucial to, like we said, the curiosity and the um, recovery part of um, this, this life. It's not, you know, I mean, for you and um, for those struggling with, um, and I feel like everybody has some sort of addiction, you know, my, my stress. Yeah. Right. My addiction is tacos and chocolate cake. So, um, I could eat both of those every day, all day. <laughs> I don't have any moderation when it comes to those those things. Um, so I, I appreciate those real world techniques. Can you just give us one? Just sure. I yes, and I love this. You're definitely speaking my language. Like in all the talks I do and all the education I do, I'm always like advocating for like, hey, you can do this in five minutes do this right now. You can do it in five minutes because I think that speaks to the how, like we can extrapolate on these things and talk about them philosophically all day, but to have tools that work, I'm, that's my jam. I, I love it. Say that. <laughs> oh, so, old. Um, um, so you talked about grounding. Well, let me think about which technique I want to share. Um, there's quite a few I really like. So anything to really help us get into the body. Um, and so I've been doing a lot with just noticing the five senses. And so we can do, we can do a little, let's do it right now. Okay. Um, so if you're driving and listening to this, don't do it while you're driving, but do it when you get home. And so you can, I'd invite you just to close your eyes if that's something that's comfortable for you. And then just take a moment or two, just observing the flow of air into and out of your nose. So really just put your attention on that area just below your nostrils. I'll do it too for a moment. And just observe that flow of air. And then I want you to bring your attention to your ears and notice what you're hearing. Just really take a minute to give attention to your auditory sense and see what you're hearing in your environment. And notice what you're hearing up close, maybe my voice. And then what are you hearing a little bit in the distance and in the background? See if you can reach your sense of hearing out a little bit. And just notice whatever's there. And then go ahead and bring your attention to your sense of smell into your nose and just notice what what sensor in the air around you maybe it's really subtle or maybe it's strong and you can see if you can notice what's more in the forefront and then what's a little bit more in the background or underneath and then you can notice your sense of taste what's in your mouth if did you have a drink of something recently or, or eat something recently did you brush your teeth recently? Just notice what's going on in there. Is there a lot of saliva? Is it dry? And then notice the air on your skin. And this tactile sense that we have. 
You can also notice the feel of your clothes on your skin. If your hands are clasped or if your hands are resting on your legs, just notice that contact. And then when you're ready, we're gonna open our eyes. And then I want you to take your eyes and just look around your environment, but really allow things to come to you through your sense of vision versus you seeking them out. Have like a soft gaze of curiosity and just let your eyes wander to where they really wanna be. And you can always take a minute and just check back in with your breath. And just notice if you have a little bit of a different sense than when we started that, that practice in, in your body and how you're feeling. It's so simple and it's like we have, like our bodies are so amazing and we internet it's all right <laughs> okay so you said our bodies are so amazing yeah because we have them available to us all the time and so anytime when we get stuck in our heads or an anxiety or fear or future tripping or ruminating thoughts it's like instead of trying to control the thoughts just come into your body for a minute engage your five senses take five minutes and do that little practice and you'll notice when you come out of it things are a little bit different right I like, I like that a lot. Um, as I work with healers and, you know, that that's my niche, um, mainly because looking back on it now, it is because of the, just the amazing, they're just amazing. <laughs> they're just amazing. Um, and what they've helped me do in my life, um, and, and it's, for me, I call it generational wealth because um, it really has nothing to do with finances. It has to do with what I'm living and passing on to my daughters. Um, so I, that, that metaphysical, that spiritual, that um, just this powerful, we, we have the power to heal ourselves, to heal others, um, it's just something that I, I really have gravitated towards helping healers heal the world. It's important. And, and with some of these techniques too, because I'm an evidence-based practitioner and I have a, a, like a really strong science background, like for anyone who gets turned off on the idea like, oh, it's woo, it's no, it's biology and it's physiology and it's your neurophysiological systems at work. This is how we're built. So there is this kind of metaphysical component to it. 
because you feel so like, oh, oh what just happened? It feels so magical. But like, this is how our bodies work. We're right. just never, we're just not trained to, to utilize them in this way, which is crazy when you think about it. Like we're trained instead to go get that CEO job with the Mercedes and be miserable. But it's like, no, no, let's just use our bodies. Um, so I just want to speak to that too, because I like to, I like to ground it as well. And like, it is grounded in science and it is grounded in research, at least some of these som somatic techniques. Um, right. And there's certainly, I think too, there's so many things that we don't really understand from a scientific perspective um, in the world. There's, you know, inherent magic, I think, in our world and our universe. And Agreed. Yeah, it's nice to tap into that. Definitely. I love it. And, and when you think about it, and people, when, when they say you use how much of your brain, um, you know, like one third of your brain or less than that or whatever it is, um, the rest of it's there for a reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just because exactly. you don't use it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a use. Yeah. And there's just a lot of retraining, I think, as a society we really need around how our minds work and how to create happiness and what is success and, you know, what does that really look like? Um, and for me, a lot of like being successful is really this ability to like, can I be in my body on a daily basis? You know, can I notice when anxiety is happening and I'm in this like, gotta hustle, gotta hustle, gotta do 8 million things on LinkedIn today. And I gotta post to this Facebook thing. It's like, what's happening right now like take a step back because it's as an entrepreneur especially it's like you you do you're kind of you got to do a lot of things sometimes right. you know so I'm, I'm always sort of curious on how we can stay productive but also stay like in a flow or stay in a sense of like feeling good within ourselves right i have one client who calls it her masculine energy and her feminine energy mm -hmm. um, and she'll say to me too you know when we're working she'll be like you're in your masculine energy and I can't handle that right now <laughs> and we, we need both though too I mean we need this combination of things but it's like when is it the right time like maybe in her case that wasn't she that wasn't the right time Right, right. So, oh, Dr. Alice, this has been amazing. Thank you so much again. Um, I keep saying thank you because I feel like you're going to reach a lot of people and a lot of people are going to be um, enamored by your journey. So I just want to say thank you again. Yeah, thank you for having me and you're very welcome. It's a pleasure to come on and, and you know, hopefully it's it's inspiring to at least one person that, that yes. takes a new you know, trajectory in their lives. That's what it's all about. Yes, absolutely. And one last time, um, how to contact you. Sure. So you can reach me on my website, which is kirbymethodconsulting.com, or you can find me on Facebook, which is Alice Kirby. Again, that's K-E-R-B-Y. And I also do a lot of free education and free videos on Facebook. Um, I have a YouTube channel as well, but I'm more active on Facebook right now. So if you want to come check out more of these techniques or anything, you can tap into any of my live streams. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much again. And um, thank you for tuning in and listening and watching. We'll talk soon. Bye now. <laughs>